plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one mana. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. I am Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel. We are here for the week's episode, but we are not here together. And we're not going to be here that long, comparatively, uh, because I'm very, very, very tired. How are you doing today, Matt? Oh, I'm doing all right. I uh, had a good, basically, by now, the, my first week in my new position is over. Like, we're recording on Thursday night. I've got one more day to wrap out the wrap up the week. And uh, it's been reasonable so far. There's more to do during my day. Part of that comes from I have new responsibilities. Part of that is because I'm now one person in, like, when I started, there were three people in my department. And now there's one, and it's me. So yeah. I'm doing everything that the three people used to do. And as someone so, who like, would used to who would call on Matt and his department for help, we need there to be three of them. Right. So um, my days have gone from I don't know if anybody remembers, but people who've been listening to for listening to us for a while probably remember me going, yeah, I you know sat around in a parking lot all day playing on my Nintendo Switch mm-hmm. because there was just nothing going on. Yeah, those days are long gone. Yep. Um, I don't even have time to. I've been officially approved for overtime i even talked to my boss about it because like i don't even take my lunch anymore i just work the entire time which again i'm not complaining my job is still relatively easy i just have more basically more paperwork and back-end stuff from like inventory to Mm -hmm. handle and that soaks up a lot of my what i would call free time like in between runs and stuff the only downside is some of the like the real like bottom of the barrel janitorial stuff that i would do some of that's just getting done like every other day or every third Mm -hmm. day basically when i can squeeze it in yep uh because like two days ago i was on the road like i basically was on the road for like six hours straight like i left i left the building at like 9 30 and i got back at like 245 long that's Um, a lot of driving yeah i basically drove Without, I don't want to get into too much detail, but I drove like half hour away. Then from there, like 55 minutes away. Then from there, I drove around, made another like hour trip, then another 45 minute trip, then another hour and a half trip. Yep. And yeah, that was my day. So like none of my stuff from that day was done at all, like my paperwork. So then yesterday I came in and I had two days worth of stuff. So like literally almost to the minute that I finished all my stuff from the day before new stuff arrived Hmm. there you go for me to like check in so like i got completely caught up and then immediately had more stuff to do and then but i managed to get it all done today since i was only doing like one day's worth of work i managed to get some of the stuff around like the warehouse done nice um but yeah it's just been basically busy but not bad and i just the way i look at it is i'm like i didn't create the situation it wasn't even it they just basically promoted two people out of my department yep so like i'm like i'm not at fault for this so like i work until my time's up and then i go home like if stuff doesn't get done it doesn't get done and i just have like a priority list of like you know i work top to bottom and if the trash doesn't get taken out or the floor doesn't get swept then that's not on me yeah it's like i'm not the one who took away the the dude who sweeps the floors i think it's a good mentality for like a regular employee that you know you do all your shit and you get everything taken care of and if there's not enough time unimportant things just wait an extra little bit it's okay and yep you need you know you're competent enough you can make the decision on what can wait until tomorrow yes we're supposed to you know, 
I can dump the trash out every night. It'll be fine for a day. I'm busy. Yeah. It's not like we have rotting food. It's like paperwork and like most of it, like 90% of our trash is cardboard boxes from shipping yep. and receiving. So like it's just a bunch of cardboard that sits around. And if it sits around for an additional day, I don't really care. I think it'll be okay. If I have the time, I get it. So, but in in everyone else's defense, I have not had a single person get on me about stuff not getting done. Mm-hmm. But basically, I already have my like retort if that happens because I'm the type of guy who like spends his whole day arguing with other people in his head. Yep. So that if an argument comes up, I it's one of the reasons why debating me is rarely a good idea on a topic that I know about. Yep. You have prepared because <laughs> I've already had the argument. <laughs> You just weren't part of it. Uh huh. You weren't here for so, it, but it happened. Yep, you weren't here for it, but it happened. So like, and I, the biggest thing is, is I always, I'm not perfect, but like I'm, it's very important to me personally to make sure that my shit is handled. Mm-hmm. So like, if you're coming at me going, hey, why didn't this get done? I guarantee you, I have a reason why it didn't get done. Yeah. Like, it's not because I it, forgot. Yeah. Although that does happen every now and then. I do just forget something. But it's it's not because I'm being lazy. Yep. It's because, oh, yeah, I had these 10 other things that all have, you know, are all time sensitive. And I didn't get down to the mm-hmm. the last thing of sweeping the floors. Yep. So, but, yeah, other than that, I haven't really done. We went hiking on Sunday. Nice. Uh, there's a, I don't know if you've been there, but it's like Cleeg or Clegg Park, um, which kind of. Nope. You know, whatever. Uh, it's a nice little thing down by the river. Nice little uh, park. Well, good. I'm glad um, you got to go do that and enjoy yourself. Yeah, Amanda and I went hiking on the weekend on Sunday and uh, just kind of hung out on Saturday. I haven't really played, didn't really play a ton of video games. I messed around a little bit on Last <laughs> of Us, I think. Went out and touched grass. But, yeah, that's uh, the funny thing is we were literally out there and like, it's the first time I've seen spl- flowers this spring. Yep. So like... I reached down and I went, haha, I have now officially touched grass. So if yep. anybody on the internet tells me to touch grass, I've got a witness I have within the past week touched actual grass. Pretty so, yeah, that's basically what I did. Haven't really done yeah. a whole lot. Okay. Couple interesting, couple interesting things. Um, one of them is uh, my new venerated rot priest deck for a uh, went 3-0 at a casual pioneer, our, our Monday pioneer nights. Although it is slowly becoming more and more meta, <clears throat> just kind of as things do, as people play more and more, they want to win. And there are, um, it's, we were playing for in-store credit, but there is money on the line, thanks to Cantrell Cartel. We do, um, I mostly out of my own pocket, I donate um, between 25 and $35 a week, but it's really helped the community thrive, and I can afford it. But like, we've got a, uh, it's mono red, it's not is it, but it's a mono red um, Indomitable creativity list. We've got people playing Racto Sacrifice. We've got some, uh, a couple, a couple like mono green devotion decks. We have an Angels deck, which is doing like we've actually kind of become a little meta. And my Rot Priest kind of came in out of nowhere last week at two one. This week at three would with some very good changes to it. So there's an RCQ coming up this weekend uh, that we're heading to. It's about thirty five minutes from my house, and I kind of made the snap decision. I'm going to repurchase all the cards I bought for this deck because I ordered them on TCG player and none have arrived yet. The cheap stuff, at least um, I can borrow the mana base from a friend of mine. Like uh, Matt's got them. I know TC's got a couple. He's going to loan me and I'm going to go to an RCQ and I'm going to take this, I think very, very powerful brew and I'm going to see what happens. Um, so I'm excited about that. 
the other thing that I did this weekend or last weekend would be on Friday, Saturday. So on Saturday, my wife went down to Indy to spend the night with a friend of hers, which she does once in a while. It was her friend. It was it was the birthday of someone, so they went and hung out. And a buddy of mine, we got on COD together, and I drank so much that I think I'm done drinking forever now. Uh, I'm yep. old. I'm You've old enough. The point where drinking is just a total net loss. Yep. I uh, I had a wonderful night. I drank way too much, and I mean way too much. Um, but the next day, I like I was probably up till two or three in the morning. I slept until like noon, and then I uh, laid in bed until like four or five o'clock. Actually, I wasn't in bed until four. If I wasn't in bed um, debating how much my life sucks because my head hurt so much, I was dry heaving into the toilet. Hey, there you go. And so. <laughs> I'll still drink like super socially, like oh yeah, I'll have a crown and coke, or you know, I'll have a beer. Um, I think I'm done getting drunk. We're done doing that for now. Wise decision. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, it's it's going to be an overall increase to the quality of my life that I just and I, I I literally I get drunk maybe between three and six times a year, and I think I'm just going to cut those three to six out. The, yeah. I mean, if they're not like the problem is you have a good time on day one and then on day two it kind of cancels it out so what the fuck oh, is yeah. the point that's well, kind of the way i've looked at it i've been young enough um i'm in my late 20s uh but i've been young enough until now that the hangovers weren't bad enough I mean, i'd have a headache be a little you know be a little groggy be a little sore but it's fine um i wanted to die i sorry, i wanted to unalive myself on monday <laughs> or on sunday uh in minecraft yeah sure um <laughs> And so I think we're just done with that. Um, but I haven't done a whole lot. I've had a very busy week. I've been out very, very late. Um, the patrons know I put some information. I put some pictures up on our Discord of how awful last night was for me. Uh, today wasn't necessarily as awful, but it was a very long day doing two large installs, putting in water heaters and sump pumps and uh, running new water lines for stuff and yada, yada, yada. So um, very exhausted. Today's episode is probably going to be a bit shorter. And I know we say that every week, but I'm... I'm gonna try to push matt to keep it a little shorter and keep myself a little shorter uh, but we do i do have an announcement i want to make and this is with the inconsistency of the podcast and um with our inability to put a podcast out regularly on thursdays matt i think we just should cancel the podcast altogether that seems like an overreaction you're right it does i think we're gonna move our traditional release day to fridays um my plan is if we get the podcast recorded early and we can get it out, I'll post it early, and it'll be a happy bonus. Uh, but the traditional release day is going to be Friday. Uh, it just gives us one extra day like this where we can get together in some capacity and get it recorded, even though I worked kind of late, just not as late. So I'm super sorry, everybody. I know like this stuff is kind of time-sensitive because it's all about challenge results in the weekend, but uh, it's kind of just, I think, the best option going forward because we just kind of keep pushing it off and missing the Thursday, so we're going to try... And make a, make a more steady Friday release date. Uh, I spoke with Matt about it. We had a long, like, two-hour discussion, and he decided that he... I finally won him over to my side. Yeah. I definitely <laughs> didn't just... That went, right? Definitely didn't bring up that we should move it to Friday, and you were like, okay. Yep. Um, I, for the vast majority of things, am a pretty easygoing person. Yes. Um, so, the only other announcement I have that's related to the podcast is... Uh, have you checked out our Patreon? patreon.com forward slash cantrip cartel you can get some super sweet perks like first of all getting into the discord right away and getting to see little snippets of my job here and there and hearing uh here seeing my brute you, you'll get access to my rot priest brew if you want to check it out and go uh pwn on pioneer i'm telling you i think it's i think it's really good i think it's 
decently well situated in the meta. It needs a good sideboard built. Right now there really isn't one, but I think the main board's strong. On top of you get chit-chatting between us. I mean, we talk about chickens, talking about plumbing, talking about all kinds of stuff. And there's other perks like uh, getting access to bonus content or getting sweet merch like t-shirts or playmats. So head on over to Cantrip Cartel, or sorry, patreon.com forward slash Cantrip Cartel to join the growing list that includes Empra, who not only puts our stuff on Reddit um, every week, put a phenomenal, like, David Attenborough expose little little story as a response to one of the pictures I posted describing a day in the life of, of me as a plumber, and it was wonderful. I died laughing. My wife died laughing. I think Matt even chuckled a little. Not saying something. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Uh, we got Ramblin' Rogue, Ashley, Eric, Monowolf, Ethan, CJ, Nate, Jameson, Asphalt, Ted, Mumbledown, and Rob M. Thank you all for coming on board. Thank you for supporting and why aren't you, other listener, in that Patreon now chatting with us on Discord? So we'll see you guys over there. But Matt, that's all I've got. This is a mildly shorter than normal introduction, but how is Legacy looking in 30 minutes or less? Great. Moving on to Modern. Okay, so we'll hop over to Modern for a minute. <laughs> uh, first place. No. Yeah. So, uh, overall... It's kind of hard to judge, and it depends on what you're looking for. Um, one thing I will note, it doesn't, like, initiative is kind of, like, waxing and waning. Uh, Delver still seems solid. There's, yep. I mean, now, I, we I got a, nine of the top 32 is We Delver. do kind of need to clarify something going into this, is do we see any value, and I, I mean you and me, um, in Delver branching off into other colors? And actually, hang on a second. Is this Grixis tempo deck literally just? Yeah. Never mind. It's okay. Delver with snuffouts. Never mind. That's what we're. Yep. Because I was thinking, if we're so, legitimately branching into Grixis and it's a different, well, it's, it's still Delver, but it's a different kind of take on Delver. You know, that kind of factors into the like every deck is Delver, but it's not. It's not Grixis Delver. It's Delver with snuffouts. So never mind. Yeah, it's Delver with snuffouts. Uh, looks like the one um, has two reanimates. So, I mean, technically, it's got a black spell you're going to cast with a swamp. Yeah, sure. But, like, sure. So, yeah, basically, a lot of Delver, a lot of initiative. Uh, there's a decent amount of other... I don't... Bruise isn't the right word, because they're decks we've seen before, but uncategorized decks. So, overall, mm-hmm. it doesn't look bad. Uh, if I you mean, were to break those down, it would look a little better. Um, yeah, but, but like... The second the fact place, of the matter is there's a lot of Delver and a lot of initiative. Like, the second place uncategorized deck is four color control. Yeah. Like, I, with Minsk and Boo and Uro. I don't know how this is yeah. It's uncategorizable. Yeah, I know. We've been seeing that exact same list pop up for yeah. months. Oh, it has minor missteps. Totally different deck. <laughs> right. So, let's go ahead and get started. We've got DN Solver bringing it home again. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the... Sheer amount of wins that Dean Solver has had is uh, really impressive, to yeah. be perfectly honest. And I don't there's know, a, there's uh, a lot what, of wins. Was it Dean Solver last time that had this mono blue, like, Emery eight cast? Uh, it's basically list? eight cast with painter ser- for yeah. servant. Um, I don't remember if he had that last week or not, to be perfectly honest. Uh, I know I've seen him played a couple times. If I remember, but I don't remember if it was last week in particular. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, this is a this was a cool deck we saw a couple weeks ago. It's, it's a kind of an amalgamation we hadn't seen until then. I'm sure it was around, but we hadn't seen it. Yeah, where you literally have eight cast 
and all the things eight cast wants to do i mean except kappa cannon here and instead your finisher your high end your top end is which oddly enough is a similar amount of mana uh grindstone and painter yeah so it's got a very strong plan a and plan b uh i mean the fact of the matter is if you have to pick between the two, I'd rather be casting Painter Servant and Grindstone than Kappa Cannon here. I mean, oh yeah, for if, sure. If and it like, goes off, you just win. Yeah, it's not even really up for debate. So, yeah, I um, mean, we've talked about the deck before, and since we're trying to keep it short, I, we don't need to go like super deep into it. But this like this list doesn't seem to have anything I different do, than we've seen. I do want to make a clarification because I know you've heard me talk in the past about how like Urza's Saga. Well, it is a good way to prop. It's good. It's good at propping up middle rangey decks, like mid roady or like middle of the road or like tier two, tier three decks. And I've commented that like you know, Urza Saga isn't really enough to carry a deck on its own because you're going to be making a couple two twos, a couple three threes. That that analysis doesn't carry into this deck because you're not making two twos and three threes with Urza Saga. You're making ten tens. Like, well, on top of that, not only are you making ten tens, but it also searches out combo pieces <laughs> and it also goes and gets yeah but i mean like even if you're just on it's so like in a normal deck where you're playing like you know rakdos mid-range or you're playing jund and legacy yeah. and you're you're kind of trying to have on the back of a nice plan b of making a couple construct constructs with the the urza saga maybe looping it a few times getting some nice value out of it you know but your 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 constructs are going to be three threes four fours that isn't going to bring a game home good enough consistently enough uh, fucking 10-10 will, even if you are, yeah. if you're not going to combo out. I mean, making a 10-10, making an 11-11, <laughs> that's going to fucking do it. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I mean, and then, like, heaven forbid, get a shadow sphere, give it trample, gain 11 life. Yeah, those are real. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Urza Saga is just an incredibly powerful card in this deck. Yeah. It's a mediocre. For, especially well, especially with this particular build, because like I said, like, not, so it always taps for mana you need. Yep. Basically. I mean, most of the time you're casting artifacts. Obviously, yeah. it doesn't produce blue, but uh, makes constructs, which are gigantic, and then searches out any number, like all, basically every artifact in your deck. Yep. It doesn't grab the painter itself, but it grabs all the other stuff. Yeah. Like, as far as, like, just non-creature artifacts, I meant. Like, yeah. all your bobbles, your pu- your petals, your opals, yep. like, all of this stuff, including grindstone. So, just an all-star in this deck. Yeah. I was saying, I said mediocre. As opposed to just being like a, yeah, just it's, a, like a plan C value play. Say, it's not a mediocre card. It's a very powerful card, but it's probably not, what we've learned is like, I think by itself, it's not a legacy power level card, but when you put a shell around it, that is literally, basically, basically like Metalcraft Tribal, or at least an eight cast, now it becomes a real powerhouse. Yeah. Um, Moving on. Yep. Next up, we've got that four color control list. Um, Uros, Minskin Boo, Teferi, that's five fairy. Uh, that's impressive. Minor misstep. Five yeah, fairy five fairies, cool. three fairy. Um, let's see if so, there's any particular. So, is, so your curve is. Yeah, I guess you can go Uro into five fairy or Uro into Minskabu. Pay for days. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not terrible. Yeah. Well, and again, this is uh, Uro. Just Uro's a very good card, it and is. it was one of the things that drove me nuts um, when Uro and Oko was around. Yeah. Like. That was just so fucking obnoxious dealing with both of those. Because, like, you can deal with Oko, kind of. Yeah, he comes down and 
I mean, if you trade, he's a beast within. Mm-hmm. That's not that big of a deal. If you don't deal with him, then the game's just over. But like Uro is so fucking sticky and grindy yep. and does so much every time. I think like, it's important to remember when Uro was really popular in Legacy, everyone called it a three mana time walk because it kind of is. Yeah. It's not exactly and, a time walk, but like you gain three life, which is going to offset most of the damage an, um, an, an opponent's going to do on turn three. You draw a well, card. Well, here's a perfect example of what, what you mean, just to back up your point here. This was pre Merktide region. So yeah. your Delver of Secrets would punch for three. Yep. And you just gain three life. So you so counter cool. the Delver you've, attack. Right. So you've effectively fogged them, drawn a card, and potentially made a land drop. Yeah. You've taken a turn for the most part. It's Especially a, when you're speaking in in terms of like a pseudo draw go kind of control deck, because mm-hmm. again, this was before expressive iteration as well. So like you weren't super committed to the sorcery speed plan mm-hmm. as committed, I should say. Yeah, for sure. Interestingly enough, it even scales with the game better than like a time walk, where if you top deck a time walk in a stalled out board or a stalled out game state, card's fucking awful. If you're in a stalled out game state and you top deck an Uro, it's like you're fucked. Yeah, just being able to just slam it. Recast it a lot and of then, times. Yeah, like if you have seven mana open, being able to cast Uro, do its thing, escape it, get it onto the battlefield. I mean, you look at that, like I look at that and it's not, it's sacrifice of cost isn't even a downside in the late game. Mm-hmm. It lets you do it twice in a turn. Yep. <laughs> like, like you can like run, as long as you have cards in your graveyard, which isn't necessarily a given, but like, Running Uro into bad blocks isn't even that big of a deal. No, you just, cool. Yeah, or, or worse, you just trade. Like, uh-huh. you don't want to just give him up, but, like, you'll gladly trade your 6-6 six, six for 2-3-3 three, three sometimes yeah. well, and then I, just recast him I mean, so I'm, you can just keep What I'm going. saying is, like, if you've stalled out, like, and like I mean, let's say your Uro's looking at an 8-8 eight, eight Murktide, and let's say, you know, it, it, it's a sought-out board state, but they top deck their Murktide, and, like, I have the cards in my graveyard, I'm just going to attack with Uro, draw a card gonna kill my Uro. Yeah. cool i'm gonna recast Uro. draw another card gain six life blank your mark tight for a turn yep yeah card's so. insane i do love seeing uh any deck with terminus i love seeing terminus make a comeback i'm a blue white uh control player at heart and i'm i love it, it makes sense it, it's a very creature heavy format i love seeing terminus being played a bunch i also love seeing this minor misstep card being played a bunch i will tell you i have tried to play it in pioneer and it's not very good uh, but Legacy nope. is a different story because we have Brainstorm, Ponder, and Preordain, and all kinds of crazy shit like that. Yeah, I was going to say a bunch of other stuff, too. Like, I like mean, just re-animate. look at eight cast. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, like, counters basically everything you could fetch. Not ev- everything you could fetch with an Urza Saga, it can counter. Uh-huh. Like, so and think about all those cards that people play because, mm-hmm. like, like, that's just, you could just start rattling off dozens of cards that, that, uh, uh, the misstep counters. So, like, it. I don't know if it'll see super wide adoption, but to me, it's definitely. I've said it before, and this is kind of where I land on these kind of cards most of the time is like, they warrant testing. <clears throat> like, yeah, why would you sure. not try to play this just to see if it. Because, I mean, this card could very easily become a staple. Very easily. Yeah, it's, so, it's very good. It you might think- not. Do you think we'll ever uh, get to the uh, mental misstep days where, like, you're running minor misstep to counter minor missteps? I don't think... Realistically, probably not. One of the big things about that was it uh, the Phyrexian mana. So, yeah. like, my green deck can counter your 
uh, mental, mental missteps. Mental misstep, yeah. So that's one of the things that I think fed into that circle, that vicious circle that went on, where it was just adopted by everything because any deck could cast it. Yeah. This, you do actually have to have islands. I don't see, I for just to like demonstrate the point, I don't see elves running tropical islands. So yeah, they can cast you would, you would never splash stuff. a color, obviously, for this. So you're yeah. correct there. Uh, but again, if we're going to the other side of that coin is Force of Wills and 69% of decks. So 69% of decks could cast minor misstep. <laughs> yeah, they already have blue in them. <laughs> they yeah. are, And they have enough blue that they have Force Will. This is It's not like a splash. Uh-uh. You know, it's we have enough blue to be able to reliably cast Force of Will by pitching to it. Yeah, so the, we the can... Deck building cost of misstep. Force of Will is very real. And anyone who's tried to brew around Force of Will has realized quickly that you can't not support it you can't just have like 10 blue cards like that ain't gonna fucking cut it yep so anywho uh let's check the sideboard real quick doesn't look like there's anything new we have been seeing a little bit of a resurgence of surgical extraction Mm -hmm. like it kind of like waned a little bit and it's kind of coming back um there's a lot of graveyard yeah there's a lot of graveyard based combo decks coming around not just i'm sorry reanimator put some numbers up and uh cephalid breakfast went fucking crazy yeah, Zephyr Breakfast was, was like the premier combo deck for a little while. Yeah, so and it folds uh, pretty and, hard to a surgical extraction. Yep, a well placed surgical <laughs> is uh, very good against that deck, especially yep. backed up with like if you're looking at this deck, we've got uh, four forces in the main, two forces in the side with force of negation, two surgical extractions. So like you've got, and not to mention the minor missteps. Mm-hmm. So six forces. So like you're just piling on anti-combo cards mm-hmm. so not only do we have your for your surgical but it's also very likely to resolve or be protected so like you can hold it because you can protect yourself against uh discard that kind of thing so like yeah i'll just go ahead and force a will your uh unmask or whatever so you don't get to see my hand we're still even on cards and now i still have my surgical that you can't Take, that kind of thing like you you are able to protect your more powerful sideboard oh, for cards sure. with six forces do we, so. have, do we have time for a quick tangent <laughs> that's the name of the game son yep. so i was looking up <laughs> while we're kind of doing this um i was also looking up some cards on uh just for kind of pricing for like that tournament this weekend and uh shaper yeah. sanctuary is a card i need to pick up and would you like to guess what a normal shapers sanctuary costs it's not ridiculous this isn't the the, the, the pun Five or ten bucks. It's actually like about three fifty. About five bucks. Yeah, about five bucks. Uh, there was a promo pack from Corset Twenty Twenty Edition. There are three listings. Would you like to guess what the average price of those cards are? Two hundred fifty bucks. Eighty thousand dollars. Oh, well, that's not right. <laughs> There's a seventy-three thousand, a ninety-one thousand, and a ninety-one thousand. Eh, that's weird. The market price is two eighteen. And it's the exact same art. So yeah, that's, yeah, there's something weird going on. I know. On. I just thought it was funny. It kind of was like, what yeah. the fuck? And that seventy three thousand for the moderately played. I know. If you want a lightly played or near mint, you guys, you got ninety grand. That's a that's Man. a damaged lotus. I was gonna say that's a really shitty black lotus. Uh, or at least I think uh, that's a white border lotus. No. That's a good white border no, lotus. No, I, I meant shaper sanctuary. Like the the hundred thousand dollars will absolutely get you a really nice, a reasonably nice black lotus. Shaper Sanctuary is a shitty Black Lotus. Not very good. <laughs> if you're going to spend $100,000, get the one on the reserve list, please. Ooh, shit. All right, let's jump back uh, into this. Yep, anywho, third place, we've got Orzov Initiative. Um, I 
we've got the walking ballistas and Thalia's so, in this build. So what's walking ballista in the main here for? What are we doing with that? Is that just a ping down? Oh, we talked about. We, I know why we talked about it. It's literally to ping down the red one man, one one. Yeah, that's, that's literally what. That's it's for. probably the like the big reason. Yeah, I forgot. We talked. We talked about this already. It was like, what the fuck is that for? Well, when your opponent can spend one mana or two mana, whatever it is, for a, for a one one that your deck can't touch, probably yeah, worth running a walking an ballista. To that. And it's not a bad answer because, like, again, combined with the soul lands, like you're gonna have. To me, that it kind of serves double purpose because I could see this deck. You have to go so hard in on the mana to guarantee it to be fast enough to matter uh-huh. that there's going to be games where you flood out mm-hmm. and walking ballista is a decent thing to do. Like if you just have a bunch of fucking mana, I mean, you're running four city of traders. Most decks only run two, yep. like just to kind of drive the point home, like how badly this deck wants fast mana. Oh yeah. Like you're going to end up with several soul lands and <clears throat> dumping, dropping four or six for a walking ballista. All of a sudden that's a very real card. Like mm-hmm. there's plenty you can do with that. So not to mention on and I mean on top of the fact that it deals with a lot of the like pro white dudes. Yep. So yep, yep, yep. this deck actually has a couple black cards and they're Thought not snuff out. No. <laughs> so actually, we got Plague Engineer. The deck runs an actual swamp to cast them. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> I mean other than the uh like Mono Black had like a resurgence a few weeks ago and mm-hmm. it's kinda like it kind of just comes, shows up, people deal with it, and then like goes yep. away. Or or the five guys who play it just decide to take the weekend off. Kind of like Stifle. Um, like Stifle's great when no one's expecting it, and then people play Stifle, and then Stifle gets bad again. Yeah. Although we haven't we haven't seen the the Stifle gets great in a while. <laughs> no. It's been a long time since Stifle's been good. Um, anywho, you got Plague Engineer and uh, Wasteland Strangler again. Another one of those cards deal with the pro guys. Mm-hmm. Um, since it's devoid, leyline is a void. I personally don't really count. Yeah, it's a black card. But you never yes, cast. I yet. mean, uh, as far as I know, this deck can't. I mean, te- well, you, it's got Chromox and Lotus Petal, oh, yeah, so it technically but... can cast it, but it's only running one swamp. <clears throat> you so never like, cast. The game plan is not Leyline. to cast them. As an elf player, I've actually cast him before. Like, yeah, but you don't count because I. Yeah. You've cast Progenitus. Shut up. Always. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> I'm gonna tap twenty uh, creatures and make up ten ten. Yep. Uh, other than that, I don't really see a ton else. Mm-mm. Nothing really new. Um, like I said, the, there's the tweaks like that we normally see more of the Archon of Amarius. They've got one more in the side, but yeah, like, the, you gotta make room for the walking ballistas. The creature suite on the lower end seems a little wider here than normal. Um, then yeah. a little, it's usually a little more condensed with like two or three Archons, two or three Thalias, two or three or four at least spellbinders, but two or three of the the priest, whatever he's called. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is a lot more kind of spread out in the, in those first couple creatures. I do want to check something real quick. Let me second. When these decks first popped up, didn't, weren't they running three uh, initiative creatures? I believe so. I, I guess it looks like we're just down to the White Plume Adventure and the Seasoned Dungeoneer. Oh, yeah, I guess some of them were experimenting with the red guy as well. That's but what I it was. I remember was Berserker or something. Yeah. It's a, it's three. I think it's three. Well, a there's red. the case. There's the, there, he's the Caves of Chaos adventurer. Yeah. Or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, they're down to just the straight four-season Dungeoneer, four-White Plume Adventurer. Yep. Um, and from what I can tell, the White Plume Adventurer is the real problem because he comes down turn one so much. Yeah. Yep. And the I we talked about it before. I It does not surprise me at all that Palace Jailer 
seems to have like locked in his spot. Mm-hmm. Like that was something like as soon as I saw this deck, I was like, well, Palace Jailer seems like he'd go really well in here. Oh yeah, because like why wouldn't you want Initiative and the Monarch if your deck is designed like if you're designed around keeping and maintaining like taking and maintaining the Monarch, you're also doing the same thing with initiative or yeah. vice versa like yeah you're if you and plan palace on, jailers is good enough card that it's all play a little bit of play beforehand when you plan on hitting your opponent every turn no matter what you should fight to try and get uh monarch into this field as well yeah so uh very happy to see palace jailer uh with a seems like a pretty solid spot i was looking at some of the others and they looks like they pretty much all have palace jailer in that spot now so the the list seems to be slowly kind of like it's been stabilizing. We're seeing fewer and fewer brews, brews and seeing more and more of a solid list. Mm-hmm. Um, next up, we've got the world's most boring deck, plus snuff out. <laughs> yep, blue red delver plus snuff out. Grixis tempo is what it's listed yeah, as, uh-huh. but we all know what that means. Um, again, surgicals in the side. Yep. So, like I said, surgicals kind of doing Something. its thing. Uh, Mildly interesting is actually running Delver, not Mercurial Spell Dancer. Yeah, I, w- I was curious about that myself. I wanted to look at the uh, the, the next other couple. Cause... The other one is the legit. Yeah. Uh, the sixth place is. I don't know, man. The I've... sixth place is, and the eighth place is not. <laughs> yep, I've I've heard a lot of people talking about it. Um, the Eternal Dirtles, a podcast I'm a big fan of, talked about it. They did a whole episode to discuss brews around it, and card just doesn't seem good enough to me. It seems. It, it, I shouldn't say that. It seems like one of those cards where, like, when it does the thing, it's amazing, but it takes multiple turns or multiple cards input to do the thing. And mm-hmm. that just usually doesn't pan out in Legacy. We're too fast, we're too good, and we're too consistent for cards like that to be able to hold a regular place. Yeah, that's fair. I uh, So if you look at the, the list that does have it, it took Merktide region out for it. That's probably not where I would start. Yeah, that's wrong. <laughs> I mean, that's now again just wrong. It top he top aided. Yep. So sure, but that to me speaks to the power of the rest of the shell. I mean, you can take out two Merktides because you're gonna you're still gonna see half your deck by turn four. Like you're gonna find yeah. the other two. Yeah, I know, but it's <laughs> just it's one of those things where it's just like, huh, that's not where I'd start. Although no. to be fair, it does make a little bit of sense, uh, given you're trying to. Like, Merktide effectively always costs at least two, so at least mana-wise it makes sense, yeah, rather than bumping up your average CMC by taking out Delver and going up one. You're like, well, I'm going to cut a true drop because I'm putting in a two so, drop. You know, a lot. Of the, one of the ways people were talking about fixing that, because you're right, you're going from one mana card to a two mana card to fix the curve, is you go um, do more bobbles. Mm-hmm. Because the reason Delver doesn't want to play too many bobbles is it pairs very poorly with Delver. Now it doesn't trigger Mercurial Spell Dancer, but it does work really well with DRC and Fetchlands. Yeah. And it does kind of help the, counteract that uh, that ratio of zero drops, one drops, two drops, three drops. Since we're since we're just gonna we're just gonna go ahead and do this and talk about all three of the Delver decks on the top eight. Yeah. Um the one that does run Mercurial Spell Dancer by Jake TMS also has minor misstep in there too. I saw that. Yep. So, and Stifle. <laughs> like, stifle. this is spicy as fuck in the realm of Delver. Yep. So, we were just, like, I just said, hey, it's been a long time since Stifle's mm-hmm. been played. And there's two of them popping up, doing its thing. So, I I wish people who would play Stifle 
would just keep track of the number of games where they like it won them the game kind of like uh you and i were talking about putting Mm -hmm. fog in your deck and whatnot just i just want to know yep because like just that morbid curiosity like how many times working your way up through this top eight did you stifle somebody and it just win you the game and, uh, and it, like or if it felt great like did it or feel, created did, a huge advantage did it just feel amazing like to have that stifle and be like bam because like we were talking yeah. about that with fog because i'll tell you right now with this my venerated rot priest and pioneer uh alpha all-star fog is fucking amazing and it's won me like it won me four games on monday and it won me like two games last monday the card's awesome you know what other card won me like two games on Monday or a game and a half was Alpha All Star Unsummon. Yeah, like, Unsummon. Unsummon is is Vapor Snag. No, Pioneer Legal. No, okay. Fading it's the Hope obvious is. like upgrade. Fading but... Hope is though, and Fading Hope is also an obvious upgrade, which makes me sad because I want to run Unsummon. Fading Man. Hope is Unsummon, but if the CMC was three or less. Scry one. Oh, so it's just got a little bit of tacked on. Just better. Yeah, but yeah, and it's still any creature not just creature you don't control yep it's any creature you can still protect your stuff you can still hit you can still tempo out their stuff and if you do it early or you hit small stuff you get to scry because i kind of like i mean if i'm playing competitively i have to run fading hope but i really like it makes me really happy i'm running fog that card's og og fog and all the way i I, i'm sorry last week i talked about um i think to our patrons i was talking about i I bought um marcanian mask fogs i bought mirage fogs sorry Oh, gotcha. Got my M sets mixed up. That's fair. It's an easy mistake to make. Yeah. Anyway, back to this. Uh, but yeah. It is kind of interesting to see a like a, like more flex thoughts being played with in the Delver shell, for sure. Like with some stifles, with some mental missteps. Or not mental missteps. Yeah. Uh, what's it called? Minor misstep. Minor misstep. With some missteps. Um, sad thing is, it looks like the worst performing Delver deck was the traditional build. So, the... Adapter could die, be pure baby. coincidence. Adapter yep, die, but it's to me that's one of the things that drives me nuts about the shell, and it's also what I love about the shell is like new deck pops up. What's Delver do? Oh, cool! I'll just run stuff out. New card pops up. What's Delver do? Cool. Well, I've got two spell dancers and two minor missteps, yep. and fuck it, we'll throw in two stifles as well because like the core of the Delver shell with the cantrips and days and force of will and like all the creatures, like it's so good mm-hmm. that. It can just like what, pivot to whatever the metagame dictates. What I don't like about it is that all it ever needs is one or two silver bullets, and it can level out many, many, many um, matches just with a couple. It's got uh, six other very real bullets. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and not to mention like you have like DRC. Uh, you can run two silver bullets for whatever your problem is, and you've got four DRC, four brainstorm. And four ponder to get your and four days to get yourself there, like yeah. it's very very doable to find that shit and also four special iteration. Yep. So, yep, it's Delver. It's mm-hmm. you know again nine in the top thirty-two. Anywho, uh, next up we're kind of skipping around Grix's tempo and these aren't in any particular order past the first two. Uh, we've got four color sneak and show. Mm-hmm. And this is actual factual sneak and show yes it is got the sneak attacks this isn't some wacky brew so matt i love the fact that atraxa keeps seeing play that's super cool to me so uh is atraxa just better than grizzlebrand because now it's fighting for grizzlebrand slots in show and tell as well i i wouldn't say it's again it's not necessarily that it's better i think it's just slightly different and gives you it's kind of like 
having a f- slight like it's going to win the game <laughs> in most circumstances. Uh huh. But there's going to be games. It's it's just ver- it's versatility is basically the long and short of it. So it's just like we could have four Grizzlebrand and four Emrakul, which is typical of these decks. Yeah. But if we cut one of each, we don't really affect our game plan, our plan A, that much. Mm-hmm. But we pivot to this like card that's like I mean sometimes it's going to get you a ton of cards. It is very good in combat. Like it just does a lot. Yeah. And I, it doesn't cost life. It, like I think the big thing is that it sees. I think yeah, it's in a world where you're it's getting answered anyway, because so the game's not over because the game's just over. They, they both just make the game over a lot of times, but it's getting answered. Yeah. Um, Atraxa leaves you in a better place after it gets answered. Uh, so you, you get mm-hmm. swords. You're in a, in a if you get swords, you're in a similar place to Grizzlebrand. You could draw fourteen if you want, um, which is doable. But you know you're at you're at a much much lower life total now. Presumably you're worried about feats. Uh, Atraxa is going to see more cards. We talked about, you know, card quantity is down, but card quality is up because you're seeing more cards. Yeah. Um, and it borderline works better with Omniscience because you can, well, I guess there's only two of them. I was thinking of a deck that would run like four. You could technically chain them. You could play Atraxa, get an Atraxa to play an Atraxa. Because, I mean, obviously with Omniscience, the real goal here is to cast Emrakul because the game's over. Like, yeah, the game's just absolutely like nothing. If you don't get to take a turn, almost nothing in the format can take care of Emrakul. Like we're talking about, if you happen to be smart and set up a terminus, yeah. it's like no one runs solitude. I guess, I guess technically, technically, solitude initiative does run solitude. Yep. So technically, Emrakul is answerable in Legacy these days. But you know, to do something similar to that with Grizzlebrand, you're looking at paying seven to fourteen life, whereas Atraxa comes in and you're not down any life. Which is very yep. impactful in the games where the game isn't just over. Which is, those yep. are the games we're kind of brewing for now. Yeah, it's to me, it's it's really interesting to see you take that slot, and I've just, it's the type of card that again probably shouldn't exist. It's just we look at these cards, and I, to me, I go stop making cards like this because like no one, like they go, oh well, it can do whatever it wants because it costs seven. And it's like no one is gonna cast this for seven. No, it doesn't. Like it's not. It's gonna get thrown in some sort of deck that cheats it into play. Yeah, and then it's gonna do something stupid. So, and again, it pitches to force, and Crystal Brand doesn't. And which is which is fucking huge. Which is when when you can run down and like imagine a world where you've got you know um, show and tell in your hand, and you can if you had two Grizzle Brands and a Force of Will versus Grizzle Brand attracts a Force of Will, like yep. a huge difference, huge 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 difference game-changing amount Absolutely. of difference and again at very little cost because 99 times out of 100 if it comes down you're still probably going to win the game the game's probably over yep again you'll see a few only, less cards than grizzle brand but not much the biggest thing is like what doesn't attracts a beat sorts of flashers. like spell base yeah but again but versus well, the others i was, so I, like, I was gonna say the response spell based combo like is it okay to swords the plowshares and attracts when it's a four for one because I was going to say five cards, like swords. Swords kills Atraxa, but it's, you're not really feeling yeah. that great yeah, afterwards. Think, you, you you didn't win that interaction, right? You saved yourself seven life. <laughs> yeah, that's what you, <laughs> you did. You used a really weird healing self. Yeah. Now you still probably do it because it's better to be down four cards than just be dead. Uh-huh. But again, you're still on the losing end of that. Yep. I mean, Atraxa is up to thirty five bucks. 
I just I just noticed that. Mm-hmm. The card yep. costs three times what Grizzlebrand does, and it just got printed. Yeah. So. But it all, it's also seeing a, it's also seeing a decent bit of play in uh, in standard. If yep. people still play standard, I guess. I can't imagine why, and I'm not kidding. <laughs> it's just standard seems so pointless to me. I don't know. I like playing. I like playing standard sometimes on arena where it's um, it is relatively free to play. I don't think well, I, I don't anybody know. paying seventy dollars for Traxa is not playing on arena. That's true. I don't. I don't know because it's not. I. I don't. It sees. I, I've seen Spike brewing with it a little bit in modern, but it's not like seeing play in modern. What kind of sucks is I kind of need to pick a couple up because it's um, there's some interesting reanimation builds around it, and I wouldn't mind giving it a shot. Because mm-hmm. uh, the reanimation. Part of it. Oh, good. Oh, I was just gonna say part of it's just EDH demand. Like Atraxa is the most popular EDH deck. It does not surprise me at all that more expensive, bigger, beefier Atraxa is also really popular. I don't think like, I don't think this Atraxa fights for the same space the other Atraxa does. Uh, I'm not saying they're fighting for the same space. Uh, if I remember correctly, they're the same colors. Uh, you just every single so yeah. There's no red there Atraxa. Are, yeah, like Atraxa is if I remember. For a while, it could have changed. Was the single most popular EDH commander on oh, EDH track. Okay, I Every that. single person who has an Atraxa deck, I guarantee you, has bought the new Atraxa and put mm. it in their deck. Okay, okay. Just for because I mean, you're talking about flavor nut. Like, like oh, every, yeah. I do the same thing. I'm like, oh, I'm running this. Like, you know, I'm running the you know the flip Liliana. I'm gonna have every Liliana planeswalker in my deck. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter if they're necessarily great for the deck. They have to have an Atraxa in there. All the Atraxas. Yeah. Not to mention, uh, EDH casting a 7-drop is not that big of a deal, and that card's still really good in EDH. It is. I mean, you're talking about a format where it's she's going to be drawing 5 to 10 cards every time yep. she resolves. Because there's just so many different card types that yeah. you actually use. You actually can run battles. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's weird that they don't put Tribal on there. I can tell you why. Well, I mean, I know why. Yep, that's why. But that's literally why. Um, it's so stupid. Anywho. Yep. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it does find tribal. Like you can find because uh, Spike was playing. Uh, what's the one? Uh, what's the Eldrazi spell that counters it? Uh, not of this world. Not of this world. Sounds oh. about right. It counters a spell for free if it's if it's targeting a creature with power seven or more. Mm-hmm. Um. That's a tribal spell, and Atraxa can find that. It just yeah. doesn't list it. Yep. Anything else in here, though, that's kind of interesting? Uh, this does uh, look like... Uh, I mean, other than like having Sneak and Show show up in a top eight is interesting, this deck's... Yeah, I mean, that to me like is the 30. most interesting. Um, the, that's what it is. Everything else looks it, relatively stock. It is run by JPA, who is like known among the internet as a Sneak and Show god. Yeah. Well, that's to be fair, that's one of the reasons why I like what attracted me to legacy in the first place was like there were it was the format where you basically pick a deck and mm-hmm. become that guy yep you see so xj like, cloud and you're like i know what xj cloud is on you see jpa you see um dn solver like you know like oh this okay this they, right here's what they play right oh uh i don't know if we were gonna bring it up but the pro tour happened and reed duke won so fuck yeah, yeah. yeah. reed duke finally popped his uh pro tour cherry yeah. With and again, so, we were talking about like with a not a, a brew, but not a meta deck for sure. What um, was he playing in Dominable Creativity? He played Is It Creativity. 
which was yeah. on the radar. We'd seen it a couple times, but it was not a like it wasn't mono green, it wasn't Rakdos sacrifice or Rakdos mid range. It wasn't it wasn't any of these like elves legit like uh, Boros initiative, not Boros, uh, Boros um, aggro, like a legitimate established deck in Pioneer. It was kind of still getting its feet underneath it, still okay, and he fucking won the Pro Tour with it. Did, yep. did you hear the rest of the story? Where I heard this from, I heard this from MTG Goldfish, so it's not like I, you know, scoured the internet. Um, but who he played in the finals um, was a newer, I can't remember their name, and I'm sorry, but B. Reed Duke, and I'll remember your name, I guess. Uh, they were a newer person to Magic who qualified for the Pro Tour by playing Arena on their phone. I I did hear that. And then they were playing that's, against... I mean, that's basically the dream. They are playing like, against Reed play Duke Arena enough. in the Pro Tour. Crazy. Totally so, crazy. That illustrates one of the principles that I always used to do. Uh, so when we would play Soul Cal 2, the PlayStation version... So there were three different copies of the game. One for Xbox, GameCube, or PlayStation. And they had uh, um, platform-specific characters. The PlayStation uh-huh. one was Hihachi from Tekken. And we always used to make fun of him because the Soul Cal genre isn't... It's like fighting, but with... It's a fighting game, but with weapons, right? Oh, yeah. But Hihachi doesn't use weapons. And so, like, I would always... When I was, like, wanting to give people a chance... I was very good at Soul Cal too. When I'd give people a chance, I'd play Hihachi. And I'd be like, well... One of two things is going to happen. I'm going to win, in which case you lost to a guy playing Hayachi. Yep. <laughs> or I'm going to lose, and I'll go, eh, I was playing Hayachi. <laughs> yeah. And that feels like that guy, like, Reed is kind of, like, you have a little bit of that dynamic there where, like, this guy plays Arena on his phone. So yeah. if he loses, hey, I'm the guy who got to the Pro Tour on my phone. Well, yeah, and if he wins, he's like, "Holy shit, I beat fucking Reed Duke in yeah. the Pro Tour." Well, like, if, like it's all upside for him. If I went to fucking Gen Con or whatever, and I was like, "Oh yeah, you know, I got unlimited in the quarterfinals," and you were like, "Who beat you?" and I was like, "Oh, Reed Duke," you'd be like, "Yeah, that's appropriate. That's what should have happened." Yeah, it was funny. We were so uh, one of a friend of ours at the Pioneer Shop was playing Mono Red and uh, Indomitable Creativity, and we're talking about him taking creativity to. Uh, the tournament this weekend and he may or may not go um but it was funny because we were like you know because he was asking like should what should i run should i run is it should i run uh red black should i run mono red and i was like if you want the highest power level i would recommend the deck the deck that uh reed duke played because it's reed duke and so we were looking at it and he was like he he started saying the words like so do you think this is the right and i stopped him and i said listen the answer is yes because reed duke built this list now, if you want to change it, that's totally cool. But if you're going to ask me if this is the correct deck, like, oh, is that the correct number? Yeah, it is. It, it is. Cause- oh, dude. Again, tangent. And it just reminded me of it. And it backs up your point 100%. I got into an argument at work over Tarmogoyf. This was years ago when Tarmogoyf was like a hundred and something dollars a piece. Mm-hmm. Like, it was at the height of Goyf, basically. Yeah. And... It was one of those like I've heard it a million times, and people are like, yeah, I just, I just don't think Goyf is that good. And I'm like, I finally got frustrated. I was like, you're right. Every single pro who plays this is wrong, and the dude who plays Magic part time and works at fucking Papa John's is mm-hmm. he's nailed it. Yeah, you figured it out. Yeah, Tarmogoyf's just not that good. Yeah, like, like, and he got really pissed off at me because I was kind of an asshole about it. But I'm like, I'm tired of having this conversation. Yeah. Like, you can the. In- I get that you want to change your deck and you don't want to run Tarmogoyf, but we can agree here, right, that the objectively true thing is that Tarmogoyf is good, and we know that because look at the Pro Tour. 
Right. Look at what all the people who... Yeah. Like, who, look at Louis Scott mention, Vargas. Look at Reed Duke. Look at Nazan. Look at... <laughs> or Nassif, this not Nassif, a, Nassif. This isn't a perfect metric because there's a lot of factors to consider in Magic. But if a card is $150 and it's new and yeah. in print, it's probably pretty fucking good. It's probably pretty good. Like, there's very little reason. Like, I mean, you can go through every single one of these lists. And the cards that see play are cheap. And the cards that see, or the cards that don't see play or see a ton of play are cheap. Mm -hmm. And the ones that do see play are expensive. Yep. Like, they see play for a reason. Vice Force of Will, $100. Yeah. And has been. And it's been reprinted like 10 fucking times now. Yeah. It's been reprinted like four times in the last three years. Right. And I was just, I, we eventually made up and we were good, but I was just like, I'm like, I'm sorry that I got a little shitty with you, but like, Jesus fucking Christ, dude. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's Tarmogoyf. It's a good card. Fuck. Tarmogoyf still occasionally sees play in modern. Yep. After all of the power creep, and it's, motherfuckers are still occasionally playing and Goyf. It's definitely not a good card now, but they, it still sees play. Yeah, I'm not. I, I'm not throwing shade yeah. at the person that we were. If he listens, I think he does. I'm not trying to throw shade at you at all. It was a fun. It was a super fun. We were having a good good time. We were joking with each other, um, and I get it because I do the same thing where I look at it and I go, you know, is is three Emmer cool? Three Grizzle Brand, two attracts the correct split there. Like, you know, how can I? What would I change about this? But it's just like, eh, Reed Duke lit. Reed Duke, who won the Pro Tour three days ago, eh, it's probably a pretty good list. It's probably it's probably the right cuts. Right. Well, and the big thing is, like, for example, I don't frequently run the exact list that pop up on challenges for elves. Mm -hmm. Because, like, but I can tell you why. Yep. Yeah. Like, if you can go, hey, I really think, like, for this tournament that I should cut this card. Because, like, I'll give you a perfect example of why you should be at least willing to change Reed Duke's deck. Because Reed Duke just won with that list and everybody knows you're 75. That's true. So... <laughs> You've lost your that, brewer's advantage you've, a lot. You've lost all, any edge there, right there, gone. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't necessarily mean you should change. But, hey, keep in mind that now everyone knows your exact 75 if you play his list. Yep. Like, everyone who's going to that RCQ is going to count on the fact that everyone else there just saw Reed Duke win with it. And you're going to copy his 75 because, realistically, you don't play enough to make your own 75. Yep. I agree 100%. Like, so if you can yeah. come up with like, oh, well, I, for example, if it's going to be a low turnout and he knows you're there, he might want to swap the sideboard so he can deal with infect. He should. Yep. Like, I expect very much everyone that rides down there with me or that I meet down there has some game plan for Simic Rod Priest. And I expect no one else will. But those guys are going to be tough matches because they know exactly what the deck. There's no catching them off guard on turn three. Or they just hope to dodge it. Or they hope to or dodge they it. Just think rant but again that's just kind of what you do when you go into a tournament yep. but like yeah you should have a and it, the funny thing is as one of the things like that particular guy runs indomitable creativity mm -hmm. um so he knows this kind of stuff but like just copying a list and going to a tournament and never playing the list before is also just a horrible idea unless you're just going to have fun yeah like you don't know why these cards are there yep you don't know what lines to chase. And that's, I, I, we were talking about, and I think he's leaning more towards not going because uh, he wants to play the Is It list. But Is It is, I mean, it, it, they're, while they, they both run Indomitable Creativity, it's a completely different beast than Mono Red, like Rush the Combo, well, or just Is It kind of mid rangey controlling, secure the combo. Yeah. 
That like, that is it list looks a lot more like it's dialed back to survive the first couple turns mm-hmm. and then guarantee a win that when it casts Indomitable Creativity, not only does it resolve, but it wins the game that turn. If the game is over. Fun yeah. fact, I played against uh, Mono Red Creativity in finals for my 3-0, and he did, his, he did the thing twice. Both games, and he did lost. the thing, because uh, Fog and Unsummon are very, very, very good. <laughs> Unsummon's particularly good yeah. against that deck. Yeah, it's like Fog just, is iffy if you don't have any way to back it up, but Unsummon just undoes the deck because yeah. they can't just recast the card. I just happen to be, um, I happen to be pre sideboarded pretty fucking well against him. But that's funny. Yep, I was a yeah. I had uh, and I run a lot. I run a lot of tempo on that deck. I run three Fog, three Unsummon, like six tempo cards is a lot. But uh, it was pretty fun. It was a uh, I I felt kind of bad because I I hate it when I see because I've been in those shoes where like. My deck did the thing. It did the thing. Why am I losing? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I run unsummoned. You can put that 30-30 back in your hand, please. That you'll never cast. Nope. If you want, you can discard Anywho. it and shuffle it back in. Yeah, we're running out of time, Matt. Wrap it up. Yeah, so Cephalid Breakfast. That rounds out the top eight. Yep. Um, Silence and Orm's Chant. Those are a couple. The the flex slots we've been seeing. Yep. Um. Three step the through? rest of it. I kind of started yeah, watching that number now. Like, I kind of like fell in love with step through a little bit, um, kind of a little bit here and there. So, it's a, it's a, say it, say it. It's one of the best oh. step through. Is why I like magic. Say what I want you to say. No, it's a power. Because crep- I disagree. It's a power crap demonic <laughs> tutor. No, for this deck, step through is one of those cards that was completely meaningless, and till someone figured out that it gets. A cephalid illusionist uh-huh. and then the deck had to become relevant again yep. so it's just one of those cards that's just hey cool like yeah. same thing with shuko i mean this deck's full of them oh, like yeah. this deck is I mean, like and fucking nomad encore that, that card's the one of the dumbest cards ever printed Thanks. that used to be a thing that that mechanic was like a thing hey pay, pay bouncing damage around oh yeah. moving damage i see mm-hmm. yeah, like, you don't get me wrong you're not you're right in that but it was it's more, stupid. It was more common. But it was definitely it was more than just one card. Okay, okay. Like, yeah. Uh, okay. Only thing really of note is your uh, favorite card, Void Rend. I know. Rend, is I love it. I love Void Rend. I'm so happy. There's a deck playing Void Rends. God, that card's so, so good. Anywho, card is so strong. That's the top eight. Wrap it up. It is if you can cast it. Live long enough to cast it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So metagame summary does not look that great. Uh, mm-hmm. You've got. Between blue, red, and Grixis, you've got nine of the top thirty-two. Is Delver? Was that twenty-eight uh, percent? Uh, we can check by Merktide's twenty-five or DRC's. DRC and Merktide are twenty-five to twenty-eight percent. So, yep. Um, Mono white initiative, and then we've also got one Orzov initiative. So let's go down here. So seasoned dungeoneer, nineteen percent of decks. <laughs> Holding so, steady again. at forty. Yep. So 40% of the meta is two decks. Yep. What else do you want me to say? Then we've got basically the decks that are left over are the decks that have game against those two decks. Uh-huh. Now, I will say there is a Maverick deck in 23rd, so we can't be too mad. Mm. Just saying. We, we saw Maverick, was it last week or two yeah. weeks ago? Basically, since Initiative has come back, we've seen Maverick pop up like, and once, like for, uh, once in a while. Like for reals, he's Maverick. Like yeah. Hierarch, uh, Stoneforge Mystic, Knight of the Reliquary. Yeah, it's like for reals magic, Maverick, and it doesn't even run. It's not even like Maverick with a little bit of like, hey, I've got like 
a couple of these cards so I could do the mm-hmm. Merit Lage thing. It's, nope, none of that. I'm going to beat you to death with yep. Stoneforge, Mystic, and uh, Knight of the Reliquary. Mm-hmm. So, Stoneforge I mean, we getting... got Umazawa's Jitte in, in the main. Getting Jitte, Cauldron, Shadowsphere. Yeah. does so. have three Urza Sagas to help support a little bit. Yep. and Which is um, a good move, in my opinion. Like, yeah. the, I think perfect so. Perfect sense. Again, you can you can get it out a little more consistently with the knight. Yep. Um, no so way. does it run? Am I reading this right? Just so because uh, I haven't I haven't paid a ton of attention to Maverick lately. So just so I know, while the trigger is on the stack, you could in th- you'd have to. So the third trigger's on the stack. You have you to could, make in it theory, a forest. Do you? Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay, gotcha. That's so, what I was missing. Because I was yep. thinking about it's if not you any, were running yep. uh, Yavamaya, then you could. Yes. You could, you could do all three. Yes. Which would be fucking nuts. Yes. You could make your third construct, go get a thing, and then sacrifice and it. And also for sacrifice one. it for another card. For, for another Urza Saga. But no, you can only sacrifice um yeah, forest or forest planes. And planes. But you can get yeah. anything. That would be something that would be one of the ones where I would consider cutting a, a windswept heath for a Yavamea. Mm-hmm. The value there. Or maybe cut another Urza Saga. For Yavamea, I don't yeah, like. Would you rather anyway. have right? Would you rather have better sagas or more frequent sagas? Yeah, and that's you know what I mean. I mean, if you're talking about a mid-rangey value plan like this, like there's no beating that for value. Not to mention, you also do get the occasional Yavamea, Gaia's Cradle, Scrib Ranger interaction. Do it is in the deck. So you can't win the lottery if you don't play it. That's true. Haywire Might is fucking everywhere. Yeah, I think the biggest thing about it is, on top of snagging just lots of things, it always hits an Urza Saga, and you're always going to see an Urza Saga in a tournament. Yeah. And it gains a little life. And it, it also what it, it also does Exile, um, which is a very relevant And it's relevant searchable text. by Urza, Urza saga. saga as well. Yep, so you yeah. can Urza Saga to go get it. Yeah. It exiles whatever you're targeting, so it's gone for Surzies. Gains a little bit of life, which is relevant, and it's just very reliable that you're going to have things to hit with it. Anywho, most played cards, Force Will, Brainstorm, Ponder, Lotus Petal, Expressive Iteration, Force Will, 69%, Brainstorm, 59%. Top Creatures, DRC, Murktide, Delver, Solitude, Elite Spellbinder. Elite Spellbinder. What the fuck is happening? Yep. Hey, there's a white card. PVDDR's World Championship card is pulling weight. It's a good card. It is, it is decently strong because it because it exiles forever. Because it's gone forever, that makes it pretty good. Not exiled, like gone, gone, but it, it makes it cost two more forever. Yeah. It's just, it, well, you can't have that unless you pay two more. Uh-huh. At the very least, it's just like realistically, when you when this deck is casting it, which is frequently either turn one or turn two, it buys enough time for you to deal with whatever they're getting rid of. So, like, there's so many different avenues of attack with it um, where you can you, you just go like that card that i really don't want you to have you can't cast it for two more turns did you hear about the new pro tour card or the new world world championship card uh no um i can't remember who won you was it the weird won? fairy thing uh no. no well maybe it is a fairy i guess i don't know it's a flash creature um i don't remember who won you remember who no was it nasif did nasif win the I world? No, no, no 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 it was someone in japan um well i can't remember who won one, but I'll tell you. I can. I can tell you the gist of the card. It's one in a blue for a two-one flash, and the important part of it is whenever an opponent draws their second card for a turn, you draw a card. Oh yeah, yeah, I saw that. 
So, of course, it's blue. Yep. Oh, he was talking about like it was a it was a deal breaker that it had to pitch to force. Hooray! Yep. Anywho. Yep. Let's move on. You ready for you ready Top for spells? Oh no! Force will brainstorm, ponder, lotus petal, express iteration. All right. Let's do no modern. surprise there. Do modern. Let's wrap it up quickly. First place in modern. I don't know why I'm putting pauses. It all gets cut out anyway. This is the deck we saw last week that you and I were like, is this deck just bad? Except it has Elish Norn and a Timeless Dragon in it. Remember? Remember last week when I was like, yeah. oh yeah, you're I running know. Ragavan, Pyromancer, and Fury. That's how you're going to win this game? Really? And they said, yeah. And we're going to put in a bad five drop and an okay four drop. And they said, fuck you. We're going to win these fucking games. And they did. Uh, so it's Quafortre? Uh, qua Quafortre. Yeah, Quatre. But Quatre. Um, Quatre was four in Spanish. Yeah, I know, but that's just Quatre. That's the meme, the, the joke in the name. Anywho, talking about the deck, though. Elish Norn's not a great card, nope. in my opinion, at least Heart's for terrible. eternal stuff, except with Fury and Solitude. It's <laughs> terrible. I don't care. I don't care that your five drop makes Fury better. Fury was already good. No, don't get me wrong. Fury was already good. No, but it's a... I mean, we're looking at the guy who just won the I challenge. Know, I know. And I agree with uh, you that, obviously, Elish Norn makes Fury obscene. And it also does shut off your opponent's Fury and your opponent's uh, uh, solitude. So those are real things. Yeah. But no, I, I don't... I will not sit here and be told uh, by the world that Elish Norn is good because you can run Fury. That a five-mana 4-7... I no or not no rod but um what's it called what's the what's the thing what's the one in the torp white orb. or okay torp orb that a five mana four seven torpor orb that doubles or torpor orb panharmonicon is playable because of fury and solitude I I refuse to live in this world that's fine uh the rest of us realize that that's actually exactly how magic works <laughs> where cards are playable because of other cards. <laughs> I'm saying Fury and Solitude it's don't make synergy. they don't make Elishnorn playable. We'll see. We'll see. I'm not even saying they will. We'll but see. the fact of the matter is, we're they, staring down the guy who just did. Yeah. So I'm taking a stance. I'm putting my foot down. I no. We'll see. We will see. Obviously, obviously, we'll see. I'm eager to see what happens. But not to mention, yeah. I will say this would be absolutely fucking bonkers if you have Obosh and Elishnorn and Fury. Like, that's a ton of damage. Yeah, because you're getting double the triggers from Fury, and they do double damage. So you're getting eight yeah. damage divided as you choose among any number of creatures or plane blockers twice. Like, now again, you're talking five drop, five drop, but this deck looks like it's designed to make the game go long. Like, three Prismatic Ending, three March of Otherworldly Light, yep. the Lightning Bolts can go to face but are there for early removal fable the mirror breakers grindy as fuck blood moon wants the game to go long like at least not like wants the game to go long but makes the game go long mm -hmm. like shuts them off from early gameplay oh, for and sure. forces them to deal with the blood moon so like and the funny thing is the elish norn hits it also gets a season pyromancer which makes that even better it does it does make so. pyromancer quite a bit better motherfuckers got a, a third in the side i know <laughs> I refuse. I refuse. No. Cool. I think great you would job probably winning. be right. Great job winning. If, but no. I think you'd probably be right if these fucking Fury and Solitudes weren't just fucking everywhere. Like, so do you, are you, you saying, know what I mean? Are you saying Elish Norn is here, not necessarily on the back of you playing Fury, but on the back of your opponent being unable to play Fury? I think it's a confluence of those 
where it's just like it's awesome when I play it, and it just completely. Sh- I mean, Fury and Solitude are everywhere. They are like that's undeniable. Whether yeah. regardless, take Elish Norn out, oh, they're yeah. everywhere. These these elementals, every single one of them sees play. Uh-huh. Like they're fucking. I mean, Scam is one of the most popular decks in the format. Now again, yep. we're talking about a five drop, so like there's play around here. But these fucking elementals are everywhere and this card not only shuts them all off but doubles yours so i'm not saying it sees a ton of play i'm not saying it's going to be big i i mean i agreed with you 100 when the card came out mm-hmm. but what have i always said i want data yeah we now have a we have a we data have point. one data point so one data point yeah. does not prove anything yeah ellis norn but, i'll see you next week i'm out of here yeah we'll Sec- see second place shockingly enough recto scam so yep. Elish Norn defeated Rectoscam. Sure as fuck did. Sure as fuck <laughs> did. Which I just there's no fucking way Elish Norn defeats any scam on a decent draw. But it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. The player uh uh, uh did a phenomenal job clearly piloting the deck to a victory. I obviously I wasn't here, but the way I look at this game, I go, this game's gonna go long in anyways. And eventually because that's the thing that's the biggest it's not impossible to kill Elish Norn in this deck, but it's almost impossible to kill it's Elish Norn in this deck. You have you have two terminates. But I mean, like, if the game goes long, that means the scam deck has done its thing multiple times. Like, yep. it's like when the, by the time Elish Norn comes out on turn five, are we even scamming anymore? Not uh, not that much. Nope. I mean, clearly but again, they are, but like not that much. Like we've done the scam thing a couple times, probably. But how? Look at look at this list. How does this list beat a four seven vigilance? Oh, it doesn't. <laughs> That's what I mean. I mean, I, no, no. <laughs> I, I take that back. I take that back. It does with uh, grief twice or thoughtseize once, with um, with eight thoughtseize effects and undying malice to double up on the griefs. Which I go, you're saying it doesn't re- it doesn't defeat a resolved one because it does not. But like that's how it beats a five drop. And I in my yep. in my opinion, um, quite easily. Oh yeah, don't get me wrong. That's what the game's designed. That's what thoughtseize does. Mm-hmm. Like thoughtseize. Cool. Fuck your five drop. I never have to answer it. I just did. I wonder. But I wonder how the, much this is. I mean, this is <laughs> fundamental. This is you can't you can't thought seize the top of their deck. So I wonder. I wonder how much equity, before Trey, Quatre, whatever, got from his opponent refusing to thought seize Elish Norn because it's a fucking five drop anyway. I wonder if because it's new and some Brewer advantage. I wonder how often Elish Norn did get left in hand because they were like, who fucking cares a five. I will say, Timeless Dragon in that matchup probably pulled more weight than fucking Elish Norn. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you going to do? Thoughts he's that? Cool. Yeah. Like, let's get it back. Easy. I mean, the Timeless Dragon, the Timeless Dragon, like, I actually like this game plan a little bit. The Timeless Dragon helps you fucking cast Elish Norn by plane cycling. It does. <laughs> guaranteeing you're hitting your land drops. It, it also curves into Elish Norn. <laughs> it also um, it does block Fury perfectly. Doesn't block grief, yep. but it blocks fury perfectly. Like so. timeless dragon's pretty solid against scam. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's I, I could just I can just see that playing out in the finals though. They just do their you know the the, the two mid range decks do their thing and they're both top decking to try to top deck the mm-hmm. best card, and mm-hmm. then just one just top decks the Elish Norn, which shuts cool. off the majority of the other ones' decks. Yeah, hope you draw a terminate, bud, because I'm yeah. gonna beat you to death with a four seven that you cannot deal with. <laughs> And your best cards are just shut off entirely. Realistically, though, like Phyrexian, Phyrexian Flesh Gorger is, it's a one of, so you got like three options. 
you know, yeah. If you get into, I'm thinking of like a late game where you probably do have seven yep. mana. Mm-hmm. Top deck wars. Um, yep. You do have a seven five that will obviously completely went sway that. So you have three. I mean, yeah, three legitimate outs. And so fun, um, fun interaction that Matt, I'm sure you caught right away. But if your Phyrexian Fleshgorger that you played for three mana as a three three were to die, you can feign death it and get a seven five back. Oh, cool. Is it just when it? Uh, so yeah, yeah the, the creature, the card it's, exists as the seven mana version. Yeah, the prototype is an alternate casting correct. cost. So you cast it for three, you get this thing. Yeah. If it just ETBs, you just get a seven yeah. five. And it, when it when it comes in, it, it comes in as a three mana three three. So you could push it. Yeah. Um, but yes, if you were to reanimate it or bring it back, it comes back as the whole Phyrexian Flesh Gorger, menace lifelink seven five pay life equal to its power ward. So <laughs> that's pretty real. Uh, after that, yeah. though, there's not much in here that is um, unusual for uh, scam. The coolest thing is a second flesh gorger in the side. All right, Matt, it is. We have I, ten minutes to finish. Them. Yeah, I love that flesh gorger though. It's a cool card. It's a very cool card. I'm really, I really do like the design on that card. I think it's really neat. It definitely falls into the trend of like, I mean, power creep is very real, and cards are probably getting too good. And the fact that you can, I don't necessarily like the premise of. You can print seven drops that like, oh, it's okay, bud. You don't have seven mana. It's a three drop two. I don't love that. Well, the the, the fucked up thing is a three three for three is with good. Menace, Lifelink, and Ward is already really fucking good. It's already like, good. It's not like, like realistically without, like if it was just that, it probably wouldn't see play. Mm-mm. But you then staple on a fucking seven 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 five yep. for seven as well like that gets even harder to kill you just make it scale like, to the end game and you get reanimation shenanigans with it yeah it's very very good it's basically the funny thing is we're right back to the fact that delve is a broken mechanic and that's kind of pseudo delve for creatures I mean, so you just get to pay less for spells and occasionally oh pay more. i see what you mean yeah it's like i see what you mean you, you can take a, a yep. seven mana spell and it sometimes make it cost three even if even if you get a yep. worse version of it like if dig through time when you delved it to two only looked at four cards it's still probably pretty fucking good yep basically it's just cost reduction yeah that's that's yep. it's a way to cheat on mana like we talk about all the time let's wrap this up though because we got more to record tonight and very tired i set a goal to be done by nine and it's eight fifty one Third place, luckily we can go through this one pretty quickly. Amulet Titan, uh, Mono Green Titan, biggest addition recently is those Mycosynth Gardens. Uh, I do have to give another tangent, though, because this card is really cool. So I'll give it at the end. Um, nothing in the deck that's new, though. Like, Mycosynth Gardens quickly found a home from the new set in it and uh, has definitely kind of given a real power bump to Titan. We haven't seen Titan very much in the last couple of weeks, very sporadically, and now we've seen two weeks in a row. Um so why is Mycosynth Gardens cool? I'm going to, again, this is from Eternal Dirtles. I was listening to them. There's a really cool interaction you can do with Mycosynth Gardens. And uh, it's kind of it's kind of a shenanigy type thing, but it's very powerful. So imagine a deck where you're running four Karns, and so you're planning on utilizing a four mana Karn quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Something you'd also be wanting to run, of course, is... Uh, liquid metal coating works very well with Karn. You can get to where if you can yep. uh, all the all the fast lands. You can stall boards out. You can start wastelanding them every turn. Um, do you know what other card goes really really well with Mycosynth Gardens, Karn, and uh, liquid metal coating? No idea. Dark Depths. Oh yep. Because you can pay it. You can pay X Make is it zero. Fact. Become a copy. Yep. Chuck it. Yeah, for X equals zero, all at instant speed, and make a 2020. So it's 
kind of the like how some plans have like some decks have like the Urza Saga backup plan and things don't line up well. So they were brewing up a deck for funsies that was obviously a Karn control style package that also just ran Dark Depths and Microsynth Gardens because 2020? Question mark? That was cool. That was cool. It was one of those, it got me, that whole, that like that little train of thought they had just really got me thinking about the card immediately. Do you have to have the Karn? No. No, 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 no. It was just that uh, Liquid Metal Coating sucks without Karn. Yeah. And so that's, like. Well, that's what I, well, I was going, I'm looking at this amulet list. And I'm going, well, would one Dark Depths really gimp the list that much out of 33 lands? Mm-hmm. And then if that's the case. I think. But, like, I'm just, the reason, I was looking at, because I look at it, I go, well, what deck is already running some of these cards? Yeah. I well, I don't think you would want to. I don't. I don't think you'd want to run a Dark Depths in this deck because there's very few times I think where you would. Uh, your Microsynth Lattice is still a land. Obviously, it would happen, but Microsynth Garden in this is almost always already turned into a mm-hmm. amulet. And I think I think having that having the to fight for the Microsynth spot or having the Microsynth fight for those contradictory because it, it's important to remember and it doesn't maintain the ability. I know. So I'm, I'm also, well, I'm telling you, I'm also telling, because I, I didn't. When I read what, that, I kind of just assumed it was like a Thespian stage thing where it keeps the ability. It doesn't. What's the liquid metal coating? A liquid metal coating is, I think you tap it and target permanent becomes an artifact. It's a one mana artifact. Just trying to look up the CMC real quick. It's... It's two. Okay. If I was going to say if liquid metal, liquid metal coating was one, I would absolutely put that in here. Because then Urza's Saga could get it. Mm. And then now all of a sudden you you throw in one coding and one Saga, or one coding and one Dark Depths, and now you've got... Because you're, the whole the whole thing is primetime, right? Mm-hmm. Prime so time it gives you another... Yeah, you just go, cool, I've got a Saga. Like, you could chain into it, too. That's true. That's true. But but that's uh, with Liquid Metal Coding costing one. Obviously with two, um, that doesn't work. Does it, does it pay to activate or is it free? I think it's free. Okay. okay. I think it's just two mana, and then you can come down and okay. make something. Wrong. But yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a, like I said, it was a cool interaction that got me kind of rethinking about how the card works. Because I saw this, and I kind of saw the base level interaction of like, oh, a copy's amulet, and other you could pay a bunch of money to get a copy of a decent artifact you have. Um, and then someone was like, well, think about it from this point of view, and I was like, wow, that card actually gets a lot more flexible in the powerhouse it can be. It was interesting. Mm-hmm. That was really interesting. But we're moving on. God. We got four minutes. We're not going to make it. It'll be close. Fourth place is Hammer Time. Uh, this is Mono White Hammer Time, though. So, uh, <laughs> hey, where might? There you go. Uh, we do have a core outfitter, something we've seen flexing in and out very intermittently. Rarely do we have it flopping in, but it is in here. Uh, I'm assuming that's fighting for one of those Giver of Rune slots. So, basically, just another slightly worse pure steel paladin um pretty skimpy mm-hmm. on the spell suite we've seen these decks kind of picking up more and more spells in that spell suite with blacksmith's skill or the blue ones that include um spell pierce uh but this deck has kept them trim kept them kept them lean with just two blacksmith skill uh all of the artifacts you expect to see the uh, the hammers the cyst the cauldra complete and nothing really going on in the sideboard no, nothing new. Emrakul. Other than as, the Haywire Might. Uh, Emrakul as some respect for Mill. Dranith Magistrate as some respect for Cascade. And a more Haywire Might. Then, 
we've got Merktide Regent. So this is your is it uh, is it Delver in Modern? So DRCs, Merktides. This one does have three Ledger Shredders in it. The same spell suite we see every single week with counter spells, iterations. Uh, one Spell Snare again, something we kind of talked at length about last week. Really good design on a card. Really powerful, really narrow, really niche, but really good. Mm -hmm. uh, Blood Moon, and then the sideboard. Again, still looks pretty stock. Two Subtleties. So Subtleties still maintaining its slot as, even though it's the worst pitch elemental, it still sees play. Yep. Okay. Next up is not blue-red, laughably. It's literally... Um, it's a mono-red deck with Orvar on the side. So I was looking at this, and there's going to be a little bit of time involved in this. This is a weird... I kind of categorize this kind of, kind of weird. It's it's kind of low-to-the-ground red metalcraft. So, mm -hmm. DRC, Monastery Swift Spear, Ragavan, Valdarn, Epicure. Really, without Valdarn, Epicure, that's kind of just a hodgepodge, like just four ofs of some amazingly good um, red creatures. You know, DRC and Ragavan are pretty good on their own. Monastery Swift Spear needs some support with other good red spells, but it's pretty common to see that card in together. Uh, Valdarn Epicure, though, doesn't really seem to hold its place very well. One mana, one, one, ETVs make a blood token and deal damage to each opponent. But when you look a little farther down and you see that we have Galvanic Blast, which is a shock, unless you have Metalcraft, where you get four damage, Shrapnel Blast which is a very good just two mana for five damage if you can sack an artifact. And a, I, in my opinion, maybe slightly more sneaky interaction, but light up the stage. So three mana for a red divination is pretty bad, but it has spectacle for one red. Now, how are you getting that damage through reliably? Baldar and Epicure is a wonderful way to ensure you're paying that spectacle cost on turn two or turn three. Mm-hmm. And then down in the bottom, we have literally 12 artifacts. Um, we're, you know, the biggest biggest things are going to be carrying weight here are going to be the experimental synthesizers, those little one mana dudes that just come in and just kind of pseudo draw you a card until the end of turn. Great way to get a little card advantage. Uh, great stack fodder where like, you know, your, your synthesizer may come in and get you a land drop or something. You can strap and blast it away later to get more value because whenever it comes in or leaves, you get to exile the top card. So mm -hmm. obviously, Misha's bobble. Like, Bobbles are great at both triggering Monastery Swift Spear and sacking to Shrapnel Blast and fueling Galvanic Blast. So, and turning on DRC. And, yeah, I'm sorry, and activating DRC. Oh, sorry, activating it and then, correct, turning it on to give you Delirium. So I was kind of looking at this deck before we started uh, the podcast, and I was trying to categorize it like this, this like, low-to-the-ground, hyper-aggressive Metalcraft red deck, which I thought was a really well, it's cool basically, list. uh there's very i think we mentioned this before because we've talked about similar lists like within the past month i don't remember exactly when there's a popper popper decks that look very similar to this they usually are red black mm -hmm. and then they they about. use deadly dispute and whatnot yeah as well but that's where this voldar and epicure sees a shit ton of play yep. is popper it's everywhere because like the blood token is real not only oh it is like not only does it give you plenty of shit to do with your other artifacts energies, turning on Galvanic Blast, checking yep. it to a Shrapnel Blast, that kind of shit, pitching a card to, re like, pitching a land in the late game to draw another card's yep. very good. Uh, the body is a body. I mean, I know we we kind of think of one ones as kind of throwaway creatures, and they are, but, like, well, it's a ton of value yeah, it, for one mana. Um, Especially yeah, a common. They block well, and, like, so I was, I was going to say is, like, 
something I kind of realized as I played more and more with these blood tokens, like rummage is a bad card, but rummage is great when you get it for free, pseudo uh -huh. free, and when you're not paying a card. And they for chucked it. it pseudo free on a ton of stuff. Yes, on a when when your one mana Valdarn Epicure just comes with a one mana rummage later, like like I mean that it's insane. It's it's such a good and when you get to the number of times I've been in top deck wars or we get to the, the you know the game stalls out they've killed all my stuff I killed all their stuff um, and it's like well I have two blood tokens I get to I have you know I've got six lands out I get to redraw twice I get to look at a yep. lot more fucking cards than you to break this stalemate before you so pretty pretty cool a, a pretty cool deck I was it was really interesting to see this and kind of like caught me off guard started looking through it realized and kind of realizing what's going on and seeing the intense synergies and the the metalcraft tribal it was, it was I was really really having fun kind of looking at it and enjoyed enjoyed kind of figuring out what it's going for here I love the one Shinka just to give rag a fan mm -hmm. first strike <laughs> that was uh it has fallen out of favor now, but that was that was very popular tech when Ragavan was relatively new. Everybody was running Shinkas because it's a way that your Ragavan beats their Ragavan now. Yeah, that one and the black one to give him fear were both very mm -hmm. very popular. This yeah, was all about just funny to me. It was all about getting Ragavan <laughs> into into the red zone safely. Uh, next up is like we spoke about before, Azorius Hammer Time, and just like I was talking about before. You know, the key differences you're going to see in this deck is going to be uh, in that spell suite where you've got three blacksmith skill, one steel shaper's gift, and two spells. So, like, up, upping your spell count, like your like your actual, like, just uh, your like, instance of sorceries by a factor of three is a huge deck building decision to go from one or two interactions to six tempo-y style or protection style interactions. Um, also... Yep. I maintain that running Memnite is probably just worse than Ornithopter. Um, I'm going to stick behind that decision. I think Ornithopter in this deck is just better than Memnite. I don't think the one extra damage is relevant often enough to offset the number of times where you get to attack with Memnite and then get your hammer in post blockers and slam for 10 or 20 if you have two hammers. Okay, and Matt has no opinion, so take a no, look at this. No, I'm just, I agree. Oh, okay. <laughs> we've, we've we talked about it before. I I, I think that's probably where I mm -hmm. land to. Uh, but looking in here, the sideboard again, nothing particularly interesting, and we're kind of keeping pace here. So let's wrap it up with another. Isn't Merktide list really easy to talk about this? Uh, it's the same deck as every other deck, guys. It's a, it's the same. Isn't Merktide list you've seen? Yep, it's the same. It's too bad they didn't use a better art for the retro frame counter spells. Yeah, they used the. Uh, the Jace's Spellbook Collection one or whatever. Yeah. Not a big fan of that one. I do like it more than uh, Impotent Wizard, but mm -hmm. not a big fan of that one. Mine's the uh, Markadian Mascus one with the like weird merfolk chick on it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I haven't looked through recently. I, I'm i kind of impartial to the new blue and orange one, but that's, mostly cause that's like the Mystical Archive. But that's because I really mm -hmm. like orange. Orange is my favorite color, so um, I do like that one quite a bit. But it does. That's one of those that falls into the category of like doesn't really look like a magic card very much. So definitely rubs people the wrong way sometimes. Yeah. Meta game summary. <laughs> the funny thing is, oh, the most interesting thing to say about Merktide is the art on counters. Yeah, that's where that's the discussion to have. Uh, Meta game yep. summary. You you think I almost didn't start talking bitching about Force of Will art when we're talking about Blue Red Delver and Legacy? Oh, I know. <laughs> uh, so we've got four or five color omnath which oddly enough uh missed out on top eight by one we had a five color omnath in ninth but that was still 19 ish percent of the meta was six decks uh merc and oh. so 
we've got just real quick we've got ninth 12th 15th and 16th this this top 32 looks like it came from like six months ago mm-hmm. look at the top three decks <laughs> yeah yeah you're right i didn't I, I i didn't notice that like i didn't realize they were they were also clustered at the top like they all came in they barely barely missed top eight like once you get between like eight and twelve like those are you missed on breakers almost certainly and then and then you know a couple more slots down you you lost one too many games or whatever yep they're all yeah. leyline binding decks mm-hmm and a couple have Atraxas, and a couple have Elish Norn. I, I refuse. I could definitely see Elish Norn in these fucking, like, Omnath. It makes sense in those. Decks. Oh, it makes sense in those a lot. Because you, now you have, um, you have like legitimate. Your whole deck is ETBs. Your whole deck is ETBs. I mean, like, they're running Risen Reef to get extra ETB stuff. So, like, I get that. I do get that quite a bit more. The funny thing is, looking at the rest of this list, I'm starting to see why this, why the guy won with the fucking Elish Norn. Like mm-hmm. that is probably great. I get, look at the field. You think six? You think Elish Norn is less of a help make my solitudes or my furies better, and more just make their deck awful? Well, it's and it, if you think about it, like I I don't know the intent. Obviously, I'm not in that guy's head. It could just be accident. It could be testing. Who knows? But the fact of the matter is, we've got 18 percent of the meta is running ETB tribal basically, and then. Let's see mm. real quick here. Um, Fury is in 28% of decks and Solitude is in 19% of decks. Now that's not all additive. There's going to be like overlap between Omnath, Fury, and Solitude. Mm-hmm. But like 30% of the decks minimum have these cards in them. You know what's kind of interesting? We are talking about ways to you know remove uh, Elish Norn and most of these four or five color Omnath decks, like, they, like Teferi is it. Right, they just don't have a way to realistically kill it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could spend a ton of mana with March of Otherworldly Light. Yeah, that's true. Like, that's terrible though. That's ugh. right. You can't. Prismatic Ending doesn't kill it, or I guess technically can for yeah. six. Like, and no, then you, you've got you pay five. You pay Leyline Binding all five colors. You have to do all five colors, but yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like all five colors plus the the white. So for six total mana, you can kill it. But wait, like, no, wait, what? It's a Prismatic Ending. Yeah, white, you have how, to pay. Oh, sorry, I forgot. You can count the white as part of the one. So yeah, for I was five. Like, how are you on six? I was just, I, see I was just spacing that. Yeah, no, you're fine. You're fine. Um, um, and then you got leyline binding. Well, binding can't, binding can't kill Norn. Oh, does it? Hit? It's, it's not. An it's any, isn't it? It's when it ETBs. Oh wow. Yeah, I say binding. In my head, hit. I was just thinking creatures. It's any. It's nice. <laughs> if Fuck you, that, dude, dude, it shuts off Scrylands. <laughs> I know. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking real. Um, I wonder. Oh, I don't know. Wait, would Elish I, would Elish Norn turn off Amulet? It would because the land entering because it doesn't cause the no, the land causes the amulet to trigger. Yes, and, and this a, doesn't allow that. When a permanent enters causes a trigger. Yeah, so it also shuts down Titan. Okay, I'm kind of coming a little more towards. I'm, I'm moving a little more toward. It also shuts down if you cast Titan himself. Yep. And the, again, moving, timing okay, okay. is going to be a lot of the issue I'm getting here. A but little a lot of the decks that are running off. it getting a little farther right. into Elish Norn. <laughs> Well, again, it's all, a lot of the decks, and it kind of it makes sense, but a lot of the decks that run all these ETBs, the games just go a little bit longer. Yeah. So, like, your answer to their shit, especially if you're ramping into it, uh-huh. doesn't have to be as fast. It doesn't have to cost two. You don't need it to, like, your answer to fucking Omnath doesn't have to cost two mana. Mm-hmm. That's true. Your, your, your answer to Amulet or to Titan 
many games, not all games, but many games, doesn't have to cost one or two. Or if you can slow him down with your one or two mana answer, like a Fury, or like a Grief, then Elish Norn comes mm-hmm. in and makes that deck do fucking nothing. Yep. So I guess that makes sense. You know, I I, I retract what I said. There's, um, there is certainly more to that than I initially thought. Yeah, there's just... ETBs are everywhere. Well, I knew... Don't get me wrong. I knew ETBs were everywhere. I just didn't think a 5-mana 4-7 was the answer to them. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't either. I mean, to, we both said the same thing when the card was spoiled. We were both like, hey, this card's like, what the hell is everybody thinking? Probably okay at best. I Maybe I was... I don't think I was super wrong. I might be a little bit wrong. We'll see. We will see. Anyway, Matt, shut up. Yeah. Uh, Merktide Regent, 15.5%. Hammer Time, 12.5%. Other, 10%. And then we're down to twos and ones. Most played cards, Lightning Bolt, Ragavan, Expressive Iteration, Mistress Bobble, Dragon Rage Channeler. Top Creatures, Ragavan, DRC, Fury Solitude, Omnath. I mean, hey, look, there's three ETVs right there. Uh, three mm-hmm. good ETVs. And actually, oh my gosh, because it also shuts off the lands from Omnath as well. Be damned. Uh, and top spells, Lightning Bolts. You know what I'm saying? You can't, when you play a land, it doesn't trigger Omnath anymore. You yep. can't gain life, you can't double up on mana. Top spells, yep. Lightning Bolt, Expressive Iteration, Mistress Bobble, Ren and Six, and Lay Line Binding Matt. That's modern. Uh, plus four Tom Rogoifs in the 22nd spot with the blue, black, red, green deck. So Tom Rogoif, Go Stormcrow. <laughs> Tom Rogoif still playable with Soul of Windgrace. That card's cool. Yeah. All right. So, anywho, I didn't want to delay. That was yeah, just yeah, a funny yeah. little. Okay. Matt, is there. Anything else you want to kind of reiterate or kind of cover before we wrap up this week's episode? Nothing in particular. Yeah. Well, if you guys want to reach out to us, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at cantripcartel at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, pretty much everywhere at cantripcartel. You want to join the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash cantripcartel. And uh, hop in that Discord and chit chat with us a little bit. Tell us, show us your fun brews that include your new all will be one cards. But Matt, am I forgetting anything? Probably, but it's late. All right. Well, we'll see you guys on Friday next week. Yep. Have a nice night, guys. So uh, I think I have lethal. Um, okay. So I've got Ivy and Rot Priest. Um, Okay, how many poison counters do you have? Four? Uh, no, I have none. No. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to pay a green, exile this rot priest, or uh, exile this extra ivy from my hand. Or no, sorry. I'll pay a green, play a rot priest. I will pay another green, exile this ivy from my hand, and pay another mana. So I've got two mana left. I'm going to target my rot priest with this Marsha Burgeoning Life. Uh, that's going to, because I overpaid, that triggers my ivy. I've got trigger, 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 trigger. If I have it, copy the ivy. So that's four poison there. Does that resolve? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to get the third rot priest out of my deck. And then I'm going to get four. I'm going to tap one blue mana. And I'm going to cast unsummon on my venerator rot priest. But I'm also going to have it copy my ivy. And that's going to be six triggers. 
Where's my sideboard leeches? Welcome, step on in to the Cantrip Cartel. Chicken Matt chatting meta games or slinging some spells. Casting ale, sipping on blue soup and parting some veils. Glimpse of nature once upon a time. They're telling the tale of the elvish visionaries on the wildwood prairies. Where the brainstorms are so fearsome, so scary, so legendary. Queering rangers cross the sylvan libraries. When the greens and zenith would parry the clouds and turn their swords into plows. Let them rotate the crops, abundant growth in the ground. Nourish the life from the loam until it flourished unbound. Seeds of innocence burnished all the birch lorian mounds. Gaia's cradle exhaled carpet of flowers unwound. Birds of paradise sang, tropical islands of sound. Allosaurus shepherd danced on dinosaurs stopping grounds. Jake and Matt pondered deeply all this magic they found. Through their visions, thou and serum, they saw only for how to convey these magic stories aloud to the crowds, the masses. Make the voices heard, share the truth, the magic. Through ancestral visions, they felt compelled to draw every single card with the cantrip cartel. Draw cards with the cantrip cartel. Draw cards with the Cantrip Cartel.